With thanks to the city of Brimbank across our neighbourhood and the world, the Sports Hour with Max Hadzoglu on Brimbank Live on Live FM. Hello and welcome to the Sports Hour on Brimbank Live on Live FM. Great to have your company. I'm your host, Max Hadzoglu. And today, the Sports Hour is a part of Harmony Week, where we celebrate everyone belonging in Australia and across the world. We've got the Executive Manager in charge of Growth and Inclusion at Football Victoria, Karen Pierce, coming on to talk a little bit about her role at Football Victoria and what's happening there. Then we're also going to get Connor Kennedy, Nutrition Coach and Personal Trainer, who's going to talk to us a little bit about meditation today. We've also got Patrick Morrow, who's going to come on to talk a little bit about the A-League and what's happening in that exciting season, so we look forward to that. And uh, we've also got AFL supporter of the Adelaide Crows, Jack Fisher, who's going to come on to talk a little bit about the exciting win that the Adelaide Crows had over Geelong on the weekend, uh, and also talk a little bit about what's happening in the AFL world. So we're looking forward to that. And I hope you enjoy the show. It's my pleasure to welcome Executive Manager of Growth and Inclusion at Football Victoria, Karen Pierce. Welcome to the Sports Hour. How are you going? Very well, thanks, Max. How are you? Good, thank you. And uh, thanks again for coming on uh, the show. It's, uh, it's great to have someone on the show that's uh, involved in sport and works for an organisation. So thanks for that. And um, can you tell us a little bit about your role at Football Victoria? Yeah, my role, I actually came on board in June 2019 as the Executive Manager of Women and Girls. So my focus was predominantly um, driving the, the growth strategy for women and girls. And then by about December 2019, my role expanded. So I now look after the diversity and inclusion space. So that, that's all the multicultural, um, Aboriginal, women and girls, all abilities, um, all of that role, um, PLBT plus, and then also the clubs uh, under Megan Maiman, so including um, the women and girls still. So pretty big portfolio, but lots and lots and lots of work to do. Yeah, that's um, covering a lot of different aspects there. So um, that's awesome. And it's Harmony Week as well, uh, which is part of the reason why we, we, we thought uh, and we, we, it's great that you're on um, during this week um, as, you're in, as your role is uh, in growth and inclusion. Uh, can you tell us how COVID-19 and the pandemic has sort of impacted all, all that and, and sort of, um, you know, the business and, and trying to continue running the game of football um, while the pandemic has happened? Yeah, devastating for the world, really. It's just, um, and I think we're still in that hesitant stage of, you know, are we emerging or are we not? So we closed the the office uh, in March last year, 2020, and um, didn't really know how long it was going to last and, you know, what we were going to do and, and unfortunately had to move staff um, in and out of, of their role. Um, throughout the year, including the executive team, even the CEO was um, on stand down for a while. So yeah. we were trying to still um, get fixtures up and going because you know we thought it was going to get people going to get back on the pitch, and so we had the the competition team working frantically in that space, just refixturing when they knew there was an opportunity coming up, which obviously didn't happen. So. Um, financially, it's impacted football critically. So 
um, the exciting part is that we are re-emerging now. I yep. remember when we were locked down here in Victoria last year and thinking to myself, how is sport ever going to bounce back from this? And is sport going to, to still emerge the way it always has? Or is it going to emerge from a local level and then what's the role of a state sporting association and even a national sporting organisation? Like, what is our role going to be? Is it totally going to flip sport on its head or or are we just going to bounce back like we always have? So it was really interesting um, to see. I think what, we're, what we've got now is still a lot of community still hesitant about registering, which is making it extremely difficult for our competition team to be doing their fixtures. But we're out on the pitch. I was down at Glen Ira today at the um, launch of their women and girls teams and, you know, it just felt, apart from it was pouring with rain, but it just felt normal. You know, it was, it was yeah. great to be back and, you know, hopefully we get full seasons up and going. And if not, then how do we... How do we think differently in the sporting landscape? We've got um, boys and girls FC Cups on next weekend. So that's in um, Bendigo, I think it is. So a whole lot of teams registered for that, which is extremely exciting. So I think if we get past things like that, we can look at it and say, yeah, football's back. The good thing in the women and girls part is I wrote a women and girls strategy late 2019. And part of that was was talking about how we can grow women and girls because it's drastically low. It sits on about 9% for referees, around 10% for coaches. It's only about 22% for female players. We only have 38 female presidents out of 364 clubs. So the rates are really, really low. So part of what I wrote about was changing the concept of the, well, not, not changing the traditional model of football, but reigniting other aspects of football to re-engage women and girls in different ways so they can move in and out of the pathway whenever they want to. And a lot of that was written around social activation. So I look at COVID and I say, towards the end of last year, we started to roll out a few social activations at Clubland just to get people back on the pitch, just a one day, a weekend, whatever it was. And I sat back and went, gee, that happened pretty good. That, that was that was yeah. pretty easy to get that done. Whereas I think if COVID hadn't happened, making change to anything takes time. So I look at it, COVID as being a bit of an opportunity for the women and girls space. And yeah. um, let's see how it goes from there. Yeah, and I was going to ask you, um, obviously, um, you know, you get the the uh, disadvantages from COVID because it stops the game, but, um, you know, I was going to ask you about some of the positives and it's great to hear that, um, you know, that they were able to um, be some, you know, big turnouts um, in community events after COVID and sort of that um, restrain, restraining people from not being able to play and then after COVID people are able to. Um, so that's great to hear. Um, I was going, uh, and along with that, how, how much of an impact has um, sort of the, the Women's World Cup in 2023 um, is going to be staged in Australia and New Zealand, which will be a massive boost. Uh, are there sort of plans coming up for around that time um, 
and sort of working out ways to to even expand the game in, in the women's side even more during that yeah, period. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, what happened, you know, it was uh, end of June, I think it was June 26, 2020, when the announcement was made and, you know, Australia and New Zealand and, you know, lots and lots of people around the world went crazy. You know, it was the best thing that we'd heard for such a long time that, you know, we got the rights to host the Women's World Cup. And so in the middle of a pandemic, the excitement and the joy around that announcement lasted about a month and then there's no sport there's no football Mm. so there's not a lot happening and usually happen with a major announcement like that is just momentum keeps building so what we have to do is not rewind the clock but we have to re-emerge that not the announcement we can't do that again but to make sure people are still excited because 2023 is not that far away it's actually quite daunting when you think of it yeah and we always know research tells us that on the back of any major event in sport there is a surge of interest so we have to ensure as part of the legacy of the women's world cup that we're ready we're ready we're already starting to grow the game and we're ready for the absolute impact post the Women's World Cup that we're expecting of more women and girls and even men and boys who want to play football. So that goes down into, you know, making sure that we've got enough pitches, facilities, you know, for women and girls, are female friendly, all all of that, and that our clubs have the capacity to actually take on more. So does that even, when it gets to that stage, does that mean we start thinking about you know, that we're not just a seasonal sport. Is there other things that we can do that it's not an off-season but that we become a 12-month-of-the-year sport to actually cope with the growth? So we've now taken on futsal. Futsal's back under our umbrella. That's a massive opportunity just even there in futsal to grow that and and grow levels of that. You know, we're we're looking at the school activations and and how we get into the school grounds and make sure that any any young child or even, you know, high school kids can actually participate in football, even if they can only do it at school because they can't do it out of school hours, that we can provide that ability for them. So, you know, I think there's going to be a massive increase in participation over the next few years. Yeah, absolutely. And... um... You mentioned futsal there, and I, I was going to ask, um, you know, about some of the different versions of soccer because everyone probably from the outside sees it as just an outdoor sport, um, you know, played on a on a full sized ground. Um, but there's a lot of different aspects like social competitions and disability um, soccer and wheelchair soccer. Um, do you want to explain to us a little bit more about some of those and um, and those projects that are happening? Yeah, yeah, so we we have all abilities programs, so for anybody with any learning difficulty can participate in um, all abilities football programs. We have power chairs, so for those that are in um, motorised wheelchairs have the ability to participate in football there. We've just had Western United take a team under their umbrella, which is really exciting. That got announced the other week. Yeah. We're really driving walking football. So that's for the more senior um, citizens of, of Victoria to actually participate in that. And what is really exciting about walking football is it's predominantly older women, and I love that. They're actually, the participation rates there are greater 
for women than they are for men, which is really, really interesting. But underneath that is also uh, the, the, the capacity to run um, competitions in that area, but to also just provide it as a social activation. Um, mm. And then, you know, um, we're, we're looking at driving the growth through more through the specialist school system, um, again, through school, as I said, school-based sport. Um, we've got uh, multicultural mini-roos programs that we run for uh, new arrivals in through English language schools. We run mm. crime prevention programs for um, people that have been usually young adult male, um, but we're looking at driving a, a women's program through the justice system. Um, so, you know, we've really spread our wings to, to cover all communities of Victoria. So, you know, I find it extremely exciting. We can, we can provide opportunities for, you know, little three- and four-year-olds that I do here get out and, and have a kick around right up until, you know, people well into their 80s and 90s. So there's an opportunity for anyone. You know, we have our soccer mums programs there for mums, you know, usually around, you know, the mid-30s upwards and whether they've ever kicked a ball or not before, there's there's an opportunity for them to socialise and have yeah. a kick around and, you know, adaptive, adaptive football is really important and I look at that in the women and girls space and say not every... Not every woman or even every girl wants to run around on that big full-size pitch because I know I can't do that. But if you can adapt that pitch to me, cut it down and cut it down again or give me one of those little pods or give me futsal that isn't as fast as, you know, an A grade, but give me a C grade or a D grade level to get out and have a have a go, um, yeah. I think that's another way that we'll grow football. Yeah, absolutely. And um, that's quite amazing, the list of different... Uh, events and like projects and different versions of the game. Um, so congratulations on that. That's um, that's that's a long list and it's it's great that that's happening. Um, and in terms of uh, the the future and and what's ahead, what are some of the things that um, are really exciting for you and um, some of the goals that you have uh, for the future of football in Victoria? Um, and obviously uh, in Victoria, you know, it has an impact on uh, the game at a national level as well. So. Um, yeah, do we, we, what are some of those uh, exciting elements uh, and goals? Yeah, well, our biggest strategy that we have is to reach 50-50 gender equity by 2027. It's a massive part of our strategic plan. And I remember when I was first brought on board and I actually laughed and said, gee, I hope that's not a KPI when I started to look at how low the numbers were. Um, so there's a lot of work to do in that space. We run leadership programs for women on committees just to enable them. They know what they're doing. They're there for a reason. But just to provide them with more confidence to actually be stronger around that table that's predominantly sat around by, you know, confident men. So, you know, if we can start to really impact the low numbers and start to rise towards that 50-50 gender equity, I know I've done a really good job. And if we can start to see the growth of football throughout every single aspect of community, and that is the, that is the sport of first choice for people, that they're automatically going, I can play on a full-size pitch, I, I can roll around in my chair, 
I can be the woman. We've just celebrated International Women's Day and one of our beautiful volunteers, Lynn Toll, the way that she's been involved in football for 30 years is running the canteen. And they've just named the canteen um, down at Geelong in her honour. It's called the Lynn Toll Canteen. So my strategy is all around um, football her way. So celebrating the fact that anybody can participate in football any way they want. Now, for my strategy, it's, it's women and girls relative, but really if we ultimately look at that we provide an opportunity for anybody to do football the way that they want to and they have the ability to do it where and when they can, I think we've got phenomenal um, outcomes that we can reach in you know the not-too-distant future to, to keep driving the game the best that we can. Absolutely, and um, hopefully the the World Cup in twenty twenty three provides a massive boost for that. Um, and uh, yeah, it's 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 good timing um, to have you involved there at Football Victoria, and um, you know with the World Cup. Um, but uh, th- thanks very much, Karen, for uh, joining the Sports Hour today and sharing your thoughts. Much appreciated. Thanks very much for having me, Max. And we thank Karen for coming onto the Sports Hour to share her thoughts on what's happening at Football Victoria as the executive manager in charge of growth and inclusion. So we thank her once again. And now we're going to cross to Patrick Morrow, who's going to give us an update on the A-League and also talk to us a little bit about other sports and what's happening in the world of sport. And now it's the time in the show where we welcome our sports writer, Patrick Morrow. How are you going today, Patrick? I shouldn't say our sports writer. You're writing for the Raw Sports and a few other places. Uh, But welcome. Uh, Great to have you on. Uh, yeah, absolute pleasure, Max. Uh, thanks for a little, thanks for a little uh, pump up there, mate. <laughs> no, all good, all good. Pleasure to be back on, mate. Yes, no, it's great to have you. And uh, there's been a little bit happening uh, across the different sports, and uh, there was an interesting score in the uh, Sheffield Shield uh, between New South Wales and Tasmania. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so uh, Tasmania playing New South Wales um, in the Sheffield Shield, which is still going on at the moment. If you're wondering, if you're wondering, cricket season has not stopped. Um, it's still going. So yeah. uh, New South Wales were batting against Tasmania second day of the four-day game. And uh, Jackson Bird come along and ripped through them and took seven for, for not many. Uh, to have New South Wales all bowled out for 32, which is the fifth lowest score in Sheffield Shield history and the lowest score for the New South Wales uh, like cricket history. Um, so I think that I think they've broken an, an unwanted record in in terms of I think it's a, I think it's only stand I think the slowest score stand wow. for about years or something. So it's been broken. Yeah, wow. So, Can you just yeah. repeat them again, Patrick? Uh, yeah. So New South Wales were bowled out for thirty-two. Um, Tasmania made three hundred and thirty odd in the first innings. So made a and fair those- old score. Yeah, and those records—they're remarkable. Um, yeah. So the, what were they again? Uh, so the record is is that New South Wales's score of thirty-two is the fifth lowest score in Shield cricket, and I think the one of the is the lowest score in New South Wales cricket history, uh, as in the New South Wales first class eleven team. So yeah. I think it's been first time broken since uh, I think the nineteen fifties or forties. You'd have to look through the books, and someone someone will be looking through it right now. I'm guessing, but. Uh, yeah, it was a bit of a shocker for him. And uh, New South Wales played a bit of an understrength side. No Steve Smith, no David Warner. 
Um, to be fair, Stark was playing, but he's not recognised as a batsman. Also, they technically were bowled out nine down. Sean yeah. Abbott was named, Sean Abbott was named absent, so he must have been on a plane. I'm guessing. Um, so it's all a bit, yeah, it looks a little bit all fickled, and I think yeah. the pitch must have been doing something as well at the same time. Bird must have had it hooping around as he normally does in Tasmania. So just shows you though, home conditions again um, does funny things, and we're in we're the time of the year in Australia where it's cold and. Um, the ball's going to do a bit more than it should do. So it's a bit like playing in the early early September or October time. So it's yeah. very different to what they're playing in the middle of February and January when it was hot and humid and it was a road of a wicket to bat on. So, yeah. Yeah, that's certainly true. And um, I had a look here, just Sean Abbott, he um, managed to get 6.2 overs in in the first innings and then he must have been injured so he couldn't bat. Yeah. Uh, so that that's a, probably a pretty serious injury if he wasn't able to bat as well. Um, and it's interesting, New South Wales, they played five bowlers. Um, you know, if you count Mitchell Stark as a bowler. Um, but he has made runs, though, in Shield. So, um, yeah, but it's interesting. The lineup, they've, they're under, underdone with the bat uh, slightly without Smith and Warner there as well. Um, but, wow, to get bowled out for 32... Uh, that's that that's quite incredible and uh, probably worth watching. So uh, yeah, that was funny uh, to see that pop up and um, yeah, I uh, that's it's interesting. Uh, you know, and and the, the the interesting part about it is Tasmania also made three hundred and thirty three, uh, and they yeah. batted first, and then uh, they New South Wales come out and uh, get bowled out for thirty two, and then Tasmania. They're currently sitting five for one sixty-five. So, yeah, uh, so the pitch must not be too bad. Uh, so yeah, just interesting, really. Um, yeah, but, yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, move on, Patrick. Uh, there's a bit happening uh, in the A League. I've been seeing it's uh, getting towards the sort of middle part of the season, and um, yeah, there's been some interesting results over there. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, so uh, last night, um, unfortunately, the Melbourne Victory versus uh, Sydney FC game, the Big Blue, uh, was called off due to the weather yeah. in Sydney. Had about 100 mils of rain in one day, Max. So uh, there was no chance of them playing in the Olympic Stadium last night. Uh, apparently, the ground was completely sodden. Um, but what was interesting enough, MacArthur FC, uh, the new boys in town, they were able to play at home against uh, Western United, uh, who are from Melbourne, um, they lost uh, 2-1 to MacArthur FC in a uh, wet and miserable old day up in Sydney. Um, I'm surprised they were even get on the pitch. looked dreadful, um, just conditions-wise. Uh, it was a pretty good game where Western United scored the first goal and a brilliant goal by Dylan Perez in the eighth minute. It was a curler of a goal. Uh, looked like he was playing in dry conditions for the first five minutes, uh, Dylan yeah. did. Um, and then MacArthur, just a bit of class in the end, looking from the scores, 2-1. Matt Derbyshire with a lovely header in the 35th minute. And then Mikhail Sukuska uh, got a corner, really good set-piece play, scored a corner and got one, uh, one them for him in the just before the half. So that was the three goals were scored in the first half only. So the second half was quite of a uh, dull affair due to the weather. So they were pretty much, I think, long-balling it through. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, good result for MacArthur. Keeps them in that finals hunt. Uh, Western United would be a bit disappointed. They're 1-0 up in the eighth minute. You'd, you'd think a side would keep a clean sheet in that situation. But, you know, things happen and they go from there. And Wellington Phoenix uh, at the moment are 1-0 against Brisbane Raw. Uh, 
in New Zealand, and uh, Tom Hamed scored in the 42nd minute. So if they get the win today, I, I think they'll, they'll go back into the finals hunt um, with a few others. So that keeps them in that spot. Um, Central Coast still on top on 25 points. Western Sydney with 22 points, and then MacArthur at third. Adelaide United and Melbourne City uh, in that fourth and fifth place. So still battling for the spots there. And Sydney FC would be uh, kind of kicking themselves. They didn't get the opportunity to play victory in the wet conditions because they say they would have got the win there. But, yeah, that's how it rolls. Yeah, that's um, there has been quite a bit of rain. And, uh, yeah, it was quite surprising to see games called off. You don't often see it. Um, but, yeah, that obviously happened. And um, let's hope that, uh, you know, we've got th- there's three Melbourne teams in the A League. Um, and you've got Melbourne City currently sitting fifth. Western United at eight. So, look, I reckon, you know, it'd be great to see two, two of the Melbourne sides in the finals. Um, yeah, so Western United, they had a good season last year. Uh, you know, they, they, they made it to the finals, finishing fifth. Melbourne City were second. So, uh, let's hope that, you know, they, you know, for the sake of Melbourne and, um, you know, those clubs, particularly Western United, one of the newer clubs, um, it would be great to see them up to top, um, just like MacArthur is currently at third position. So, um, as new clubs, that's it's pretty exciting to see that. But um, yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's 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 good, and uh, you know, it's it's exciting uh, to see see some of the results that are happening in the A League, and uh, it's been a pretty great season so far with many goals being scored. Um, and it's it's been great to see. It's been publicised a lot how, how good the season has been. You know, many exciting games and um, yeah, like you know, probably the six nil win that Melbourne City had a few weeks ago over Victory probably yeah. wasn't a close game, an exciting game. But but um, even that game, like just to see Melbourne City just dominate um, that in a derby as well. It's supposed to be a big game, you know fighting for every ball, but to see a team dominate, that was quite funny in a way. And um, yeah, it's, uh, it's been a good season in the A-League. So definitely uh, would, would recommend giving it a, giving it a watch. Um, and uh, we cross now to the AFL, uh, Patrick, where the first round has happened uh, and there's been plenty going on with just some shocked, shock, res- shock results. Uh, what have you? How have you seen it so far? Uh, it's been a pretty crazy first round um, from Thursday night. Now I think it's uh, pretty crazy in terms of results. I, I don't think we expected what was going to happen yesterday. All um, except for the Melbourne Frio game, uh, all the other games went the uh, non-favourite side. So um, it was pretty crazy. The one that I was surprised about more was actually Sydney and Brisbane. I couldn't believe Sydney won by that margin. And they completely dominated Brisbane for the, those four quarters. Um, the other real highlight for Brisbane would be maybe Joe Danaher uh, kicking his first goal, really. It was a pretty dull affair for Brisbane. They just got outplayed. Looked like Sydney jumped them really well. Uh, those young players coming through from Sydney, you know, Isaac Heaney and the likes of really developing into really good players. Um, and then the other Saturday night game uh, in Essendon, Hawthorne was a real doozy. Um, no one could believe it that Hawthorne we up by 40, uh, sorry, Essendon were up by 40 points at half time, And then all out of the Southern Hawthorne come out of the clouds and kick a few goals and get it back. And then they end up winning it in the last couple of minutes. So it was a quite odd one. And Alistair Clarkson put it right. It was a game of two halves. So 
Um, you know, it's going to be interesting how they'll go this year, Hawthorne. They're in a funny spot. Essendon are a very funny spot. Both clubs uh, will say they'll be down at the bottom of the ladder, and they kind of proved it last night. Both teams, you know, very inconsistent uh, by the both halves of football. I say if you watch that game again, you'd be going, wait, did Hawthorne really come back from 40 points down? Because they didn't look like it in the first quarter and the second quarter. So, um, but still, there's a lot of positives there for both fans. Uh, I wouldn't say one point loss is good for Essendon at all, but you know, at least they're competitive, and at least they're gonna. They look, they look like they're building on something, and it might take Ben Rutten a, f- a few games to really get that side going. Um, and they'll know they've cost themselves there with that uh, disappointing loss. Uh, and then Melbourne and Freo, well, uh, Melbourne did the job pretty comfortably. Um, I, I think uh, Fremantle. Uh, just got outplayed in the end, and they looked really good. The, the likes of Tamara and those guys looked really good yesterday. I think they kicked a couple goals and really, you know, pushed it uh, pretty hard there. But Melbourne, just with the likes of Christian Petrarca, and that looked really clean. And then finally, the big one, Max, uh, and Adelaide playing Geelong. Uh, and no one tipped this one to see Geelong uh, lose the game. Everyone said Geelong's going to win. This is going to be over at half time. No, no, no. Other way around, Adelaide killed them and really dominated the contest. And the, again, the young players stepping up, um, you know, Billy Frampton really killed it in the, in the forward line, kicked two goals, took some really good contested marks. And then for Geelong, they lost, looked lost. Um, you know, the, the likes of Cam Guthrie and that looked really lost in the contest and couldn't, couldn't really work themselves back. And when they did, the game was pretty much over by three-quarter time, you know what I mean? And I think the, and the other big issue out of the game was Patrick Dangerfield. Uh, he'll probably get a suspension for a few weeks. So that gets him out of the brown line. So, um, yes. you know, so that's the, that's the big talking point out of all that from Saturday's games, really. Actually, you bring up a good point there about danger. It's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. It's Patrick Dangerfield, the president of the... Australian Football League Players Association, uh, a brown a Brownlow medalist contender. Uh, let's see what the AFL does there. That will be interesting, and I'm looking forward to that. But Patrick, yeah. uh, thanks for your thoughts today. It's a pleasure to get you on. Pleasure to get the update from you to hear about what's been happening across different sports around the world. Uh, so thank you very much for joining us, and uh, have a lovely week. You too, Max. Thanks very much, mate. And we thank Patrick Murray for coming on to the Sports Hour to share his thoughts. As always, much appreciated. Now we're going to cross to Connor Kennedy, nutrition coach and personal trainer, who's going to share his thoughts and give us some cool information on the meditation and the benefits on it. So I hope you enjoy it. And now it's time to welcome nutrition coach and personal trainer, Connor Kennedy. Connor, welcome to the Sports Hour. It's a pleasure to have you on today. Thanks very much, Maximus. It's good to be here. I hope you don't mind calling you by your full name. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a pleasure to be here back once again. <laughs> I like it, Connor. I like it. Um, now, we're, today we're talking meditation, right? So um, you Absolutely. know a little bit about it and you've had some experiences yourself with it. Uh, can you explain to us what meditation has done for you? Um, you've You've done a little bit of it, uh, and can you explain some of the benefits from it? Yeah, absolutely, Max. Yeah, so I've been meditating every single day for about a year and a half now. Um, And what I've found for me, it's just done absolute wonders. Um, It's helped me be much more present in my life, much happier and, and more calm. I don't get as angry at things anymore. I rarely ever get upset or, you know, 
angry or annoyed with people. Um, and I also am more present in my day to day in the fact that, you know, if I've got a commute, um, to work or something, I don't always need to be looking at my screen. I sometimes just stop and take a few deep breaths and enjoy life and, and focus on the present moment I'm in. And what that's done for me is just made me a much happier person. I'm not relying on my screens and things external from me to give me that happiness. And so meditation for me is that opportunity every day to be in touch with my own, my own thoughts, my own brain, and just be present, just enjoy life. Um, and, and another big thing that I get out of meditation is it's an opportunity to be grateful and to think about all of the things in my life that I'm grateful for. And that straight away makes you feel awesome when you're grateful for what you have in your life. Yeah. So it sounds like it sort of clears your mind a lot, um, from doing meditation. And as you said, keeps you in the present, um, which is, you know, it might sound like a little thing, but it's, it's a big thing that makes a, a enormous difference. Um, is that, is that sort of, um, you know, what you achieve from it most times you start, sort of stay in the present, um, and clear the mind and be free. And, and obviously, as you said, don't sort of rely on things. Don't, don't have too many things that you're thinking about, um, and just have that clear mind. Is that, is that what um, you sort of try to achieve? And the other question with that is how often and what does it look like your meditation? Um, yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So that, that is what you try to achieve and you just, you aim to just be with your own thoughts and just kind of take the time, you know, we all have busy lives and we're all always doing something, even if you're not working, but you know, when you're home, you're watching TV or you're looking at your phone or doing something. And so just having that time, a little bit of time every single day to just be present and just think about your life. Um, and, you know, I find, I find that really, really helps. Now, in terms of what it actually looks like for me, um, I either do, I, I keep it really short, actually, um, because, you know, we don't all have half an hour every day to devote to something like meditation. If you've got busy lives and you're trying to pursue other things in your life. Um, so I do 10 minutes or 15 minutes. Um, and what I'll do is some days I'll do that completely on my own with my own thoughts. Um, no phone or anything, but some days I'll search up a meditation on YouTube and I'll follow a guided meditation and there's hundreds of free ones there. There's also heaps and heaps of apps that can do it for you. Um, and they'll just kind of provide you a little bit of guidance of what to think about and focus on and focusing on the breath. And, you know, um, they'll give you some mantras to repeat to yourself. Um, and so I like to mix it up um, and, and have the two, two different types of meditation um and one other thing i will say actually is that there's been a couple of times where i've done a half an hour meditation and these have actually had a far far greater and better effect on my mind than any of my other meditations yeah um, wow. so my my consistent meditations 10 to 15 minutes every day you know, right now, a year and a half later from when I started, I'm in a much better place mentally than I was then um, because of the meditation and other things, of course, as well. But, um, but immediately afterwards for the rest of the day, when I did that half an hour meditation, 
man, nothing just mattered to me. You know, I was just so, so relaxed and happy and I didn't have a care in the world and it was just a beautiful feeling. And so I think it's, it's something everyone definitely has to try. Try meditating for half an hour, uh, follow a guided one or be with your own thoughts, but just try and be present for half an hour and it just, it makes a huge difference to your day. Yeah, that's, um, that's, that, that's quite incredible how you say that it's had a much bigger effect doing a 30 minute meditation. A lot of yeah, people would be sitting there right now listening, Connor, and saying, this is pretty stupid, like meditation, um, it's just a waste of time. That's what people would say out there. And what would you say to them? Um, because it, it can be a hard sell, meditation. And yeah, we've absolutely. all, we've all, I think we've all had those moments where we're like, Oh no, I just, I just want to be on my phone right now doing something rather than this. But, um, you know, obviously, obviously it, it works and it's proven to work for a lot of people. Um, so, but what, what do you say? What do you say to these people? It's, it, I'm not, it's yeah, a strange no, question. No, it's a good question, Max. It's a good question because I actually used to be one of those people before I started meditating, you know, my brother and my mum, they used to always meditate and always talk about the benefits and stuff. And, you know, I used to think, oh, you know, I don't need that stuff. That's, that's for people who, you know, are weird or, um, you know, I used to think just like everyone else um, who you're asking the question about and, you know, one day I decided to, to try it. And what I'd say is the the benefits are obviously incredible, not just from anecdotal evidence, but there's been heaps of studies to show that meditation is really helpful in the ways that I described. But I'd say uh, it's for those people, it's a bit of a case of um, an ego issue. Or for me, at least it was as well. Um, when I used to look at meditation as a silly thing, you know, I used to think, oh no, someone like me, you know, I don't need to do that. Um, mm. But I'd say, you know, just try to try to be humble and, um, and recognize that it can actually really help you out. Just try it, you know, drop, drop the ego a little bit. Um, you're no better than anyone else. Um, and, and, and see how it goes for you. Um, now, you know, you might have one meditation and never want to do it again. And that's fine. But, um, but I will say that I think it's, it's a habit of highly successful people. Um, and so if you're looking to improve your life and make your life better, then meditation is definitely something that, that you should be doing. Absolutely, Connor. And I um, appreciate those thoughts. Um, yeah. And like, I think people now after listening to this would give it a try at least, at least a two minute meditation. Um, Speaking of meditation, yeah, absolutely. And sorry, and sorry, Max. Just before, I'll just cut you off for a second there. Yeah. And if, you, if there are any beginners looking to get started with meditation, I'd recommend doing some some beginner guided meditations on YouTube. Super easy. Just search up ten minute beginner guided meditation, and they'll come up. They'll take you through it really nice and easily. And at the start, you know, it'll be hard to to just focus on your breathing and your thoughts, and you'll be distracted. But just try that out and ease into it and see how you go. And for our listeners out there as well, um, we've spoken to you about sleep, diet, breathing, cold showers, and now meditation. So uh, you've got a great range of knowledge, Connor. So um, 
you know, for people out there, if uh, they want to hit you up, uh, I th- it would be great uh, to jump on your, um, your slide into your DMs on Instagram. Um, so that would be, uh, yeah, and give you a follow for um, good information there. Yeah, so, you can, you can yeah. find me on Instagram at uh, Connor Kennedy, where the second O is a zero. Um, or just search up my name and yeah, you'll find me. Absolutely. Um, go for that one. That would be... Uh, Good, you got some great information on that page. So um, I highly recommend that to all the listeners. Um, but Connor, there was something else that happened over the weekend. It was Saturday evening and your mighty Sydney Swans got up unlikely in unlikely fashion. They beat the Brisbane Lions at the Gabba in Brisbane. Talk us through it. You're a Swan supporter. You had a oh, rough Max, year last yeah. year. How, how did I that happen? Max. Seriously, how did that happen? Look, Max, I'm, I'm glad you brought this up um, because, yeah, I love, I love talking about health and fitness, but I love my mighty Swannies. So I'm, I'm happy to finally be on here and talk about some sport. And, um, man, I don't know how it happened either, to be honest. I didn't tip the Swans this week. Um, I don't think many people did at all. Obviously, playing one of the top teams, we had three debutantes. Um, and... Max, to be honest, it was exciting. Like, I've never been this excited as a Swan supporter for the future. It was unreal. So we had uh, Logan McDonald, Braden Campbell, and Errol Goulden all playing their first games. We had Chad Warner playing his third or fourth game. Um, and then we had Sam Wicks, who still played less than 10 games, five of them. They all played unreal last night. I think Errol Goulden had around 20 disposals and three goals. Logan kicked three goals. Braden Campbell had around 15 disposals, but he was playing in the back line and he, he did a great job. He looked impressive as well. Wixie was just, uh, he was lovely as ever. We saw glimpses of it last season. He's going to be a star. And Chad Warner looked great as well. Um, so it's very exciting. And, and the questions asked, you know, Will Haywood wasn't even playing in that team. And the commentators were saying, he, is he even in our best 22 right now? With, um, with how we looked right now, Will Haywood's going to have to fight for his spot. And, um, and I was joking that Buddy's going to have to fight for his spot back in the team as well yeah. because we just looked unreal last night. And, and not just, you know, not just Brisbane weren't playing well, but our ball, our ball movement was just clean. We were hitting every single target inside 50. And, oh, man, it was, it was very exciting. It's a bright future for the Swans. So that's remarkable and and i'm glad you mentioned those um debutants because they certainly did step up um quite amazingly that's that's super exciting for the club but how like how did it happen who did it who did it like it was those guys it was yeah, just well, look, we who had, did uh, it 19 goals we had 19 goals uh, look i'll t- i'll tell you about a couple of other things isaac heaney was back he was injured for most of last season he was playing up forward and he just dominated up forward he was acting a bit like a buddy type character he was our main forward our go-to guy he kicked three goals and just very reliable he was he was unreal last night one of the best games he's played paps paps had a lot of assists on papley like normal um he didn't have any of his his star goal moments but as always, he was a great team player. He's exciting. He always made things happen with the ball. And so he set up a lot of goals. But I've got to talk about Callum Mills. He's played back most of his career. And uh, he was injured last season. He came back in the midfield. 
this this time. And John Longmire stated that he's going to be playing more in the midfield this year. He absolutely dominated. He had the most disposals of anyone on the ground and he kicked two goals, two goals straight. He hadn't actually kicked a goal in two years before last night. And he kicked two. He just took over the game. So he's a natural-born midfielder. And I think he's going to be looking good for all Australian this year if he stays in the midfield. Yeah, that's um, that's amazing. Two goals. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, in, that's insane. Um, and there was that third quarter where the scores were level in the third quarter. Um, Brisbane had the game sort of in the first quarter. Then Swans came back a bit. And they, they ended up levelling the score by halftime. Uh, and then the Swans just took it by storm, took it out to a 34-point lead at three-quarter time after the scores were level at halftime. And they ended up winning the game by about 25 to 30, about, th- what was it? No, they won the game by 31 points. Quite remarkable. Now, that, that's yeah. just amazing, yeah. Connor. And, it was unreal, yeah. Yeah, and McCartan, he's he's gone down to the back line this oh, year, hasn't he? Talk yeah, us through well, that actually, move from went, the master, John Longmire. No, nah, so, oh, look, I'm a big fan of John Horse, as we know. He's a great guy. and um, Family friend? Sydney's, yes, he is. He is. Uh, he's a friend of my dad's. But he's a, uh, he is our longest standing coach at Sydney, um, which, is, which is very exciting. We stuck through him. You know, we've had a rough couple of years at the Swans. And, that, you know, there was obviously, there's always talk of ditching the coach, but I think John is John's done nothing wrong, and he's he's a genius. So anyway, um, back back to what I was saying with Tom McCartan. You asked. Um, he actually played back for, I think the, the last few games of last season, or the second half of last season, and he just looked incredible. Like he he looked like it was just the easiest job in the world going going um, back after he'd been playing forward. Yeah. He wasn't punching the ball. He would take every single mark. Like, he's a fantastic mark. Very, very good at using his body. Um, and so he's just straight up slipped into the role as one of our best defenders. Rampy was injured at the end of last uh, season. He slipped back into our back line as well, which is just obviously, you know, Rampy's a, an all-Australian contender. He's just an unreal player. Um, you, you always have to mention him as one of the best backmen in the league. Um, so, you know, so that's really exciting as well with, with Tom McCartan back there. Um, I think that's, yeah, it's looking really promising in all aspects of Sydney's game. Now, top eight? Is it going to be top eight for the Swans oh, look, this year? Look, Max, look, if we, if we played like we did last night, I think we can go all the way this year. <laughs> but, uh, but, look, I don't know about that. I, I'd yeah. be very happy with top eight this year and then a premiership in the next three years. Um, that's that's what I'm hoping for, um, so, and I think it's very doable. This year, look, I don't think I don't think we'll win the flag, but I think top eight definitely. Wow! And you know, one other thing that I will say, Max, like oh, I'm excited after last night. But one other thing that I will say is just it was unreal with our debutants. The class is just insane. Like you know, by the second half of the game, I was hoping the ball went to them. They felt like some of our most reliable players. They just weren't missing targets. You know, I felt good and safe when the debutants we had had the ball, especially Errol Goulden. He was the one that impressed me the most. He was just complete class. He's been in the Swans Academy since 10 years old. And uh, it's just incredible, you know, we, we how we could identify that sort of talent uh, in a 10-year-old kid and 
And he was just unbelievable. Every time he had the ball, I knew something special was going to happen. So to get that feeling from a debutante is, is amazing because usually, you know, your debutantes take a few games and you're a little bit nervous that they're, that they're going to mess up or, you know, bite off more than they can chew in their first few games. But our guys just looked unreal. They looked like they looked like fourth year players already in their first game last night. So, yeah, and that's quite remarkable. And um, you mentioned Gould, who uh, had a crazy game: Gould. nineteen touches. Goulden, uh nineteen touches, sent three goals, one on debut, which is quite exceptional. And to go with that, he had ten marks, uh, which is quite amazing. Uh, but as they say in football. Connor, one week at a time, and next week it's the Crows at the SCG. Yes, it's, oh. uh, it's going to be an interesting draw coming up for the Swans because we've got next week the Crows, obviously, the other team who weren't supposed to win. They smashed along just like we uh, we did to Brisbane. And so, so it's going to be an interesting one for sure. And then the week after, we've got Richmond. So in the next two weeks, Max, we're, we're really going to see just how good this Sydney side is. And, um, and, and we're going to see if what we produced last night is what's going to happen for the rest of the season with this one side. Absolutely, Connor. And I'm looking forward to watching it. And uh, it's a pleasure to get your thoughts on the Swannies. Uh, very, you know, you got great knowledge of the team, as we've heard just then. Uh, so it's a real pleasure to hear from you, not just about the fitness side of life, but also about the football side. Uh, so thanks very much for joining us, Connor, and uh, all the best. Have a great week. Absolutely. Thank you, Maximus. And we thank Connor Kennedy for coming on the Sports Hour, as always. Uh, we've got some great information today on meditation, which was great to hear. And also we got a little bit from him on the AFL and the Sydney Swans, who he barracks for. Uh, so we thank him for coming on and sharing his thoughts. And now we're going across to Jack Fisher, who is an Adelaide supporter and loves the Crows. Uh, and they just recently had a massive win against Geelong in round one. So we're looking forward to chatting to him about that and more. So I hope you enjoy it. We've had to wait a very, very long time to, for this day to happen, for this day to come around. It's been a long grind, but the day has finally arrived and it's a pleasure to welcome Jack Fisher, Adelaide supporter, and a great man to the Sports Hour. How are you going today, Jack? Hey, Maxie, mate. I can tell you one thing for free, mate. It's a pleasure to be back on the show. Um, mate, I've just been waiting for that call-up again, mate. I've been seeing some, some of my fellow colleagues get the call-up, mate. And I've just been waiting for my chance. So, no, nah, mate, it's good to be back. And, um, mate, it's good to be back on the Sports Hour. Absolutely, Jack. And uh, one thing that we've been waiting for is for a Crows win, and it's happened. And with that comes rewards. And, uh, you know, the, the call-up is long-awaited, long overdue, and there's no better time to be bringing you up. Talk us through the game. You're a Crows supporter, you know. It's been a tough few years, very tough few years. Like, you know, going through last year, you lost about 12 games in a row or whatever it was. Um, but... You've started off 2021 with a win on the board, round one against Geelong. Like, how, talk me through how you felt and how you saw the game on, on Saturday. Yeah, mate. Um, as you said, you summed it up pretty well, mate. We got the win, um, mate. And 
if I'm honest, I, I was absolutely shocked, mate. I um, I'd planned to have a bit of a lunch and the game started at around 3.30 or something like that. Um, and I had a lunch, you know, a little late, little tea um, at four. So I gave myself, you know, a good 10 minutes to watch a game, think it would be absolutely um, obliviated. But, um, mate, came out of the blocks, you know, Texan kicked the first goal and we were just firing, mate. I mean, Rory Laird clocked up 30-odd dozies and just led from the front, um, followed by some of the debutants, you know, Jimmy Rowe. Kicked two big goals. Um, Nemi Henry kicked two big goals as well. So there's just some to name a few, Max. But, um, mate, it was a great win. I mean, uh, it would be fair to say the Crows took a fair, fair few people's money that night, mate, with the multis. I mean, not many people would be back in the Crows next yeah. game, paying $5. But, um, mate, yeah, all in all, mate, we are absolutely ecstatic with the win. Um, I wore my Crows scarf to the arcade, mate, your local. And um, yeah, had a ball there, mate. Yeah, and uh, look, you're not the only Crows fan that would have had a ball um, because being situated in Adelaide, there's plenty of uh, Crows jerseys flying around yesterday. And I tell you what, there was just as many today flying around. Um, you know, many of the supporters would have enjoyed it. And I tell you what, it was like Tex Walker kicks the first goal. I'm like, wow, how have Adelaide kicked the first goal of the game? Then they just kept going. How have they done this? They're winning at quarter time. Then they're winning half. Then they're just winning the game. And you're like, this is crazy. Just run me through some of your emotions and probably some something, your surprise. Just run me through how you felt, what you did. Did you jump out of the couch? What, you know, just run me through it. Yeah, mate. I'll run you through it as you asked me to. Um, mate, look, you know, we all have our different, you know, kinds of kind of um vibes watching the footy. Yeah. But um, you know what? I thought, you know, to to begin the season, to begin the year, because I, you know, uh, I think Maxie, I think the, the year starts when footy starts. So I thought to begin the year, I'd, I'd sit, sit and watch the footy on my own, analyze the crows, mate, and um, you know, have a beer to um top it off. Um, but anyway, yeah. So I'm sitting there, mate, and we kicked the first goal. Blah blah blah. We kicked the third goal, fourth goal, and we're up, you know, up twenty odd points. And mate, the vocals started to get a bit of use, mate. I started, you know, to get a bit more involved in the game. You know, it, it, they include me in. Uh, I bloody wolf whistled my old man to come upstairs and watch the footy with me. Yeah. Then we had us both there, and then we had my brother there, and then we had the dogs there, and then my mum came. So mate, it was a bit of a scene by the end of the show, Hatsa. I mean, yeah. we had um. Yeah, as I said, the vocals getting a bit of use, and um, yeah, mate, we're just having a great time, you know, screaming at the TV as you do, thinking we're at the game, and um, you know, by the end of the Max, as you know, you know, the injuries started to come in, and we, you know, on the on the side of our toes, yeah, um, you know, hoping that we'll get over the line, which we did successfully, as you know. So, um, mate, yeah, we it was all kind of emotions throughout the day, mate, um, and yeah, it, no 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 better way being with the family and a, and a beverage. Yeah, and uh, that's uh, that's that's brilliant. And you, you've you've told it, that story beautifully. It's uh, it's great. Uh, you know, that's 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 the story that you know. That's brilliant. That's what sport does. It's it's it can be so good. Um, now this is just one game, one match. As we know, it's an eighteen-week season, and there's a lot, a lot. Sorry, not eighteen weeks. It's uh, twenty-two now. Twenty twenty-three rounds actually. Um, <laughs> Tell me now, top eight for the Crows. What do you reckon, Jack? 
Yeah, mate. I mean, I've been asked just, um, you know, being a pretty, being, you know, one of the few Crow supporters in Melbourne, as I was wearing my scarf, you know, I had a couple people come up to me laughing, giggling, and, mate, I simply gave them the dust mark, don't argue. I had enough, Mickey. I mean, we had a big win. I forward to celebrate it. And um, as I said, someone came up to me and asked me, you know, top top eight, mate, top eight. And, you know, I thought I thought to myself, you know, oh, you know, we had a big win. We beat Geelong, it was a great team. But I kind of, you know, jumped back down into reality, back onto the earth. Um, and quite frankly, I, I do not think we'll make the top eight. Um, you know, we had a great win, great start to the season. But, you know, unfortunately, our list is just so young, so inexperienced. We need to give some time. I mean, we've got Texi Walker and Rory Sloan, you know, setting the tone, setting the path, um, you know, to the finals. But as you know, Maxie, with, um, you know, your your beloved um, Carlton, which you analyse quite frequently, um, it just takes time, mate. So, yeah. you know, I reckon in two years' time, we'll be a, a top eight side um, comfortably. But um, at the moment, mate, we're sitting in third gear. Yeah, uh, that's, that's, a, that's a good answer. I... Um... What I will say, though, is they just beat Geelong, who played in the finals last year, the grand final. Uh, why can't they make top eight? You know, they just beat Geelong. Uh, you know, uh, what, tell me a team that's similar to Geelong. A team that's similar to Geelong is maybe a, you know, GWS. That's too easy for the Crows now. You know, Essendon, that's, too, that's an easy win. Look, I'm talking West Coast, you know. That, 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 that's a winnable game now for the Crows. So why couldn't they make the top eight? Yeah, mate. No, I think, well, <laughs> yeah, I totally support that. But, um, yeah, mate, great, great point you've, you've risen. But, um, look, as I said, it's just so early, mate. You know, the team's going to get used to, you know, get their, um, get their um, you know, get used to the game, get their chemistry. You know, I mean, John got so many new players. I mean, hardly they've hardly played, you know, games together. I mean, with Sean Higgins, you know, Jez Cameron, they've just got time and time and, you know, next thing you know, they'll be blowing up on top of the ladder, mate. So, um, yeah, I'm going to take the more um, yeah. appropriate approach and, you know, just say we're not going to make the top eight this year. Yep. I, uh, I, 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 like, I like your uh, thinking. You know, you've got to give it time. If you're being a good supporter, um, you know, give them time. They need that. You're right. Um, now, there was another part of the game which occurred, and it was a bump. Patrick Dangerfield, um, he sent a player off the field with a bump. Um, it was sort of a head clash, um, and Danger went for the bump. What are your thoughts on it? Is it a week? Is it two weeks? Is it no weeks? Yeah, mate. It was a um. It wasn't a very nice um, so, um scene, mate. It was you know blood everywhere. Poor Jakey Kelly's um you know concussed and bit out of it. So um you know it had a bit of a a ride of emotions from excited when you know we're up and was all over him to then Jakey Kelly going down, which was a bit um yeah it was pretty it was critical for the team and it was just a bit um, daunting. But um mate, I, purely I think it was completely unintentional. Great bump, great footy, whatever. Yeah. But purely because of the um the impact of the injury and you know the concussion, the blood, the, you know, it, Daniel's going to get a week for it. He's going to get a week for it. He um you know he made unnecessary contact um but he didn't, it was unintentional. However, the um the damage which Daniel did was simply give him a week. Yeah, 
I think a lot of people have that view. And with that view means no Brownlow medal for Patrick Dangerfield. Uh, that's, uh, that's big for him. And uh, that's going to be costly because uh, he is one of the favourites, uh, I think, to win the award. Uh, so, yeah. But look, I think it's definitely a week. If, if the AFL somehow figure out a way to give him no weeks to keep him in the Brownlow uh, fight, that'll be crazy. But anyway... He is the um, AFL Players Association president. So this is where the AFL needs to hold their integrity to account and, um, and, and keep it a level and playing field. Just because it's danger doesn't mean he shouldn't get weeks. Now, Jack, I wanted to go to some other AFL games, right? We've spoken about your crowies. Tell us, what did you think from the weekends, from some of the other games, what you saw and what, what you thought from them? Yeah, mate. I mean, uh, mate. All in all, uh, Max, it was just an absolutely ridiculous round of football. Um, yeah, we had some absolute bolters with the crows, and you know, smashing it out of the park, and the swans smashing it out, um, completely smashing all odds. Um, and then we had the usuals like the Port Adelaide um, and the Eagles taking um, taking the win, and you know, showing the crowds and showing the fans what they're completely made of and living up to the expectation. Um, but, um, mate, particularly I thought the Swans were an absolute... Uh, I, I was very surprised. You no know, absolute bolter in the round with no Buddy Franklin, no real goal kickers other than Tom Papley and, and Isaac Heaney. Um, their rookies stood up. Um, unfortunately, to the... Um, to the um, yeah, took out, took out the Brisbane Lions... Um, with you know, Ian Golden, King Two, um, Logan McDonald, King Two, mate. Uh, sorry, King both King Three and combined for six. So it was a um, you know, it was a huge delight for the Swans fans. Um, and really, mate, they took took it out of the Lions' hands and you know took the win. Um, and yeah, that was a gutsy win, mate. I mean, in the, with a home crowd of the Brisbane Lions taking it to them and beating them on their home deck. Was um was something to remember, mate. So that was my highlight of the round. I was pretty surprised, and I did watch the whole game, um, hoping my um my cousin would be playing. But to the to the delight of these youngsters, they um they definitely made it made it worthwhile. Well, Will Haywood, he's uh he was the medical sub, uh, so I don't know. You could say that he did play because I think he gets full match payments, even though he's a medical sub. Obviously, he didn't go onto the ground, which is unfortunate. Um, love to see him play. Um, but it's interesting because I'm pretty sure even the medical subs get full match payments, same as any other player on the field, which is a bit of a surprising thing. Um, but for Will Haywood's sake, hopefully he can get back out on the ground. Do you have an update on him, Jack, and uh, how he's travelling at the Swans? Yeah, mate, he's going really well, uh, Max. Yeah, I'm catching up with him next week. I'll be hanging up to Sydney to see him um, and watch um, Swans v Crows, in fact. But, uh, no, he's going well, mate. Yeah. He's, he's, you know, last year, there was obviously a very, um, you know, mentally and physically daunting year, um, you know, playing so much footy in such a small amount of time. Um, so his body was pulling up very, very sore, you know, shoulders, um, calves. I, 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 I can't actually quite remember all of them. But, um, but no, he's traveling well, mate. I um. I'm looking forward to seeing him, but obviously he's got a bit of work to do trying back into the team. Yeah, absolutely. And um, you'll be going for the Crows, won't you, next week at that game? 
Oh, mate, it'll be rude not to, Mackie. I mean, I'll, I'll, if we're allowed to, I'll most likely be down in the rooms. But um, I um, yeah, I'll be definitely having my my crow's soul um, with me. Yes, brilliant, Yak. And uh, any last words on uh, the AFL season and uh, and uh, you know what? You, any any strong thoughts you got on it? Yeah, mate. Um, lastly, Maxie, I just wanted to speak about the um, additional um, medical sub. Um, I mean, I think it was a great incentive by the AFL to, to introduce it. Uh, you know, it really gives um, it really gives um, clubs, you know, a bit of a bit of um, you know backup. Um, and um, you know, obviously, injuries are becoming very popular in, in this day and age. So it gives clubs a um, additional player to. Um, helping their side and, and try and minimise the effect of the injury, but um, mate, I think there's just so many gap, gaps in the um in the addition. I mean, there's lots of grey areas as um as you've heard obviously on TV with you know say wet weather footy like today, um wet weather footy and you've got a tool who could easily just put their hand up and say they've got a, an injury to um you know be replaced by a smaller player, obviously more suited yeah. for the weather, um. And, um, you know, that will just cause lots of controversy. And um, I think the AFL kind of introduced it too quickly and didn't really revise it. Um, so it's going to cause a lot of grey area, which um, I'm sure lots of clubs will vocally, um, yeah, pronounce. So um, that will be, yeah, that'll be interesting to see how it unfolds over the next couple of days. But, um, yeah, as it's I spot said, on. I just think there's a lot of, of grey area and it's got to be some kind of, um, you know, um, additions to the rules, including you know, have to be you know has to be a, an injury where they're out for twelve days to just to minimise those grey areas and um, gaps in the um, additions of the rule. But other than that, mate, I'm loving having the footy back, mate. As I said, you know, the year starts when footy starts, so it's been um, great, mate. And um, yeah, been loving it. Yeah, and look, it's a great point you make about the medical sub. I think it's it's a great initiative from the AFL to bring it in. But you make a really good point that they didn't. They should have given it more time so they could revise it and make it the best rule ever. Um, but they brought it in one day before, which is just in, insane, really. It really is. And that's a great point you make. Um, and I'm just trying to find the, the rule. Um, but, yeah, here it says, to be eligible for a medical sub, the club doctor must decide... That a player that an injured player will be unable to play a game in the next twelve days. So, yeah, that that's interesting. I think I don't know if that's saying if if a player gets medically subbed out, they can't play the next game. Um, but that's just saying that the doctor has to judge whether he can play the next twelve days. That's interesting. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. it's one that I think. If a player is medically subbed out, they shouldn't be able to play the next week. Uh, that way, Correct. the rule will be used quite well. Um, and I'll ask you another question on the 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 new stand rule. What are you? What's your view on that player on the mark standing? Yeah, no, I, I really don't mind it, mate. It makes the game faster. It you know encourages more goals. Um, and it really opens up the um, the forty fives, you know, to get that, that big ball movement. You know, you'll see. I'm sure you saw a lot of handball receives in the first round, mate. But I think that's just going to increase even more over the next coming days, uh, um, rounds. Um, because, mate, 
you know, you've got the whole arc now. They're, 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 they're stationary, so you've got all those 45s to hit. Because um, as, you, as you know, mate, um, playing, playing footy yourself, um, coaches and teams really try to encourage the man on the mark to kind of block off the, um, the middle. Yeah. To, um, you know, obviously that's the rebound, you know, that's the most dangerous part in the ground. You know, if you, you, you miss a kick there, you turn it over, you're out, or if you hit a kick there, you're in a goal. So, um, yeah, obviously taking that away has caused a lot of goal scoring and um, really, really made the game more exciting um, and faster to watch. Absolutely, and I agree with you there. The only thing I find a little bit unusual is players standing and not being able to move at all. But look, it makes the game better. I'd probably, I I would probably prefer, look, before I say this, I'm sick of seeing rules being changed all the time. So I don't want to see another one changed. But I, I, I would have liked for them to have, allowed players to move like heart, like once one step to the right, one step to the left, just give them a meter either side. That's my yeah. view. But then at the same time, that might be hard for umpires to judge, but I think they, that would have been a bit better because seeing players stand is just a little bit awkward, but at the same time, look, it's worked. You know, we've gotten pretty good games of football, um, they've just been a little bit more entertaining, faster ball movement. It's been pretty good to watch, you know, balls going through the corridor, just bang, bang. It's been nice. But I probably would have liked that. I wouldn't have mind that. But I agree. I, I like the change. I, it's better than what we had before, definitely. Um, so, yeah. Um, it's uh, Yeah, mate, totally agree. Absolutely. Uh, Jack, it's a pleasure to have you on, mate. Real honour. Uh, thanks for coming on. It's great to get your thoughts. And uh, it'll be great to get you back on the show very soon again. Thanks again, Max, mate. I appreciate it. I love being coming on the Sports Hour. Um, and looking forward to the next couple shows, mate. But, um, yeah, I hope you're well. And, yeah, we'll chat soon, mate. And we thank Jack Fisher for coming on the Sports Hour. It was great to have him on to share his thoughts on the AFL, the Crows, and everything that's happening there. So we thank him for coming on. And that wraps up our show for today. I hope you've enjoyed it. As always, go to go to our social media page at Sports Hour FM uh, on Twitter, which you can find and uh, look at to keep updated with the show and also find our podcast there. So jump on that. Uh, also go to the Making Media page uh, run by Ralph Barber, who does a great job for us in putting these shows together. So jump on that page, give it a like on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, and then there's also uh, the Brimbank Neighbourhood House page, which is on Facebook. Uh, and you can find some of the other shows here on Brimbank Live there. And uh, feel free to give that page a follow to stay updated with everything happening on Brimbank Live. But all in all, guys, I hope you've enjoyed the show. I had a lovely week. And uh, thanks very much for tuning in. You're tuning into the Sports Hour on Brimbank Live on Live FM. With thanks to the city of Brimbank across our neighbourhood and the world, the Sports Hour with Max Hadzoglu on Brimbank Live on Live FM. Mm-hmm.